take a time machine back to before the world went to hell. Around the year 2000. The 80s and 90s were so rad. The movies, the music, the TV, the games. That's what I want to talk about. Like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And continue the conversation on Facebook and Instagram. And if you're cool enough, join the show on Patreon for exclusive bonus content. And now... Less than 2,000 with Adam Wentz and Chad Bischoff. Less than 2,000. The podcast. I respect Nirvana. I give them all the props in the world. I will say this is this it's never spoken to me. It's never done it for me. But I'm so excited to have you, Chad, after four seasons. You are a full blown co host. And I am gonna give you the baton. And you are gonna run with it. And we are gonna learn about Chad Bischoff today. We are gonna get deep into the psyche of Chad Bischoff. Chad Bischoff as we probe as we deeply probe him. And his deepest, darkest secrets and emotions to find out why he connects with this music so much. <laughs> so you ready to get probe? I, I, if if we were to do, uh, thank you for using the, the the word probe. And if there was a way to edit out psyche, so it's just we're going to get deep into Chad today. <laughs> it has so much emotion for me in it, and so much of my life, good and bad is tied to Nirvana. And so that's what makes it an interesting topic today. You know, I mean, there there isn't very many people in our audience that doesn't know who Kurt Cobain is, who doesn't know what Nirvana is. And they only had three studio albums. And then they had MTV Unplugged. So it's it's they don't have a huge body of work. It's not like some of your favorite artists that have been able to go decades deep and you've taken the journey with them. We had a, I had a, a, a very short very intense run and then that music has lived on for for decades we cannot talk about nirvana by saying i don't think i'm overstating this in any way manner shape or form out of any media or artist or movement nothing in our lifetimes has had a bigger effect on the medium, whatever medium that may be, than this one band. And really, especially one song. Smells Like Teen Spirit changed everything forever. And if you grew up, if you're a Zoomer, and, and you just grew up in a world where, or, or, or a younger millennial that grew up in a world where Nirvana has always been a thing, there's no way you can understand how this one band and this one song and this one album changed everything at the time immediately and then changed it forever and there has been nothing in any form of entertainment, anything, that is as influential and groundbreaking and, and changing the landscape as Nirvana. I literally got chills right now. It's been a long time since something that like words that you say give Chad chills. It's been a, it, it doesn't happen often. You're right. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of people don't realize. And I, I applaud you. I now 
thank you and applaud you for for <laughs> saying that because at least you recognize the groundbreaking nature that it was. And I know you don't hate Nirvana. It's 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 very much that and that was their second album, never mind. That literally that one song grabbed an entire generation. And I think I think for me and what I the reason why I hold on to it so damn much is because Normally, like think about Prince, you think about Michael Jackson, you think about all these artists, you know, that had decades long career. Nirvana had a timestamp. It was so short and so powerful and so big and and so honest and raw and spoke to this generation. And then it ended so abruptly that it's kind of been one of those things that only if you were born in, you know, born in the 80s and were growing up in the 90s, could you ever have any sort of true emotional connection to Nirvana? Because it was a thing that needed to happen at that time period. I, I did. Well, I'm going to just disagree with one thing you said there. Like you could only have the emotional connection with Nirvana. I know. I don't believe that. I think any anybody born in any era uh, could be emotionally affected by by this, but from the standpoint yes. of change, from the standpoint of the stuff that was out at the time that it debuted, it was December of 1991 when it first hit the charts. The stuff that was on it was number one was Black or White by Michael Jackson. Number two was When a Man Loves a Woman by Michael Bolton. There was a PM Dawn. <laughs> Boys to Men, Color Me Bad, All for All for Love, Paula Abdul, Prince and the New Power Generation, Mariah Carey, Amy Grant, Naughty by Nature, Brian Adams. So we are we are talking in it. This is a time when butt rock, eighties butt rock, was still a thing. Like Poison <laughs> and Winger and Warrant were putting out albums in ninety ninety one, and instantly the second smells like teen spirit hit the airways and hit mtv it instantly made everything done in the 80s automatically irrelevant exactly i mean just game over game over <laughs> it was like you can't yeah you can't have any of that lingering i mean it ushered in it really truly ushered in that grunge rock that feeling and that passion it did and so so that's the, that's the part that if you weren't alive for it, you're not going to be aware of. I think you can still be emotionally affected by the music. No, no, no. You can be emotionally affected by it. But what I meant is it's not going to resonate with you to the core. You can appreciate it. It's like my wife growing. I mean, for the last 10 years of my marriage, almost 10 years, and more with our previous relationship, did not like Nirvana at all. Mm. And I'm like, who did I marry? I don't even understand what's going on in this relationship. But now she asks me to put on the records more often than I do. And she has grown to have an, any, an emotional connection to it. So you're right. You can grow to have an emotional connection. But living it is always going to be more to the core. That was because, it, because it completely changed everything. I mean, it just, yeah. it, like what was playing on the radio at the time? Scorpions. Firehouse, Mr. Big. Okay, this is the 80s crap. Van Halen was still around. Motley Crue was still around. 
It was 80s hairband still in, the, in 1991. <laughs> and then Nirvana overnight, not even overnight, in a, in, in a three and a half minute span, completely <laughs> changed the face of music. And it's never been the same since. I am hard pressed to think of anything, certainly anything since then. That has been that influential. There's no Justin Bieber or nobody is, you know, in sync did not change music the way Nirvana no. changed music. The only thing no. I can think that could be possibly comparable to it would be the Beatles in the 60s. That completely yeah, you'd have to revolutionize yes. music forever. That's it. The Beatles. Yes. You would have to put them in the list. It's the Beatles and Nirvana. Yeah, and because everything, but everything cycles. So it's like you're going through all of that. Like you have '80s hair bands. You've got rap, which was uh, ushered in in the '80s. You know, but but you didn't have this. You didn't have this sound. You didn't mm-hmm. have this thing. This thing that spoke to so many people on a much more emotional level. Mm-hmm. You know, than than what had been there before. It's insane, and it's their second album. The, the energy of the music and the energy in the video was unlike anything I had ever seen. I, I mean, before that, I just think of maybe the coolest video I'd ever seen was, and still really cool. The Humpty dance by digital underground and giving that feeling of like, this is different. This is cool. Yes. This is like, unlike everything else. This is like mine. This is my like underground kind of mixtape. Like Nirvana is like, this is unlike anything else. You've got pour some sugar on it. <laughs> At number three, pour some sugar on it. At number two, smells like teen spirit. And suddenly you go from pour some sugar on me. Yeah. And, or, or Bon Jovi or whatever. Yeah. It's now suddenly down, 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 down. And just... Yeah. And the way the the video is so cool, the cinematography <laughs> of it, the choreography yes. of it, the the high school gym quality of it, the anti-establishment you we are we are it, it was the punk rock of our time. I mean, we've already talked yes. about how rap was really the punk rock of our time, but like this is getting back to the roots of 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 like that that Sex Pistols late 70s three chord you rock and it was like you don't have a you don't have a pulse if it doesn't move you and i think that's why everybody latched onto it so hard i mean you just had to so so getting into some of the chad probing what (laughs) aside from smells like teen spirit because we've talked about that enough it's well established how important that song was what about nirvana was speaking to you and and feel free to open up and share I don't know your your deepest darkest secrets of when you were ten or eleven when this came out. Oh dear! And, and then later in utero when we were twelve and you were thir- I was twelve, you were thirteen, and and you know what what spoke to you about it? What were you going through? What was Cobain and the rest of the band saying to you that spoke to you the way say Nine Inch Nails spoke to both of us? But But yeah, exactly. I mean, I I have to be honest, as far as when we were 11, 12, 13, Nine Inch Nails spoke to me way more. (laughs) Obviously, Smells Like Teen Spirit was like the 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 marching tune of junior high. Mm. 
truly did not fall in love with Nirvana until high school. So the irony is Kurt Cobain's gone by the time I really found him. What he was talking about truly were the things that I didn't experience until high school. Sure, junior high is not all, you know, rainbows and sunshine. I mean, there's, you know, drama that happens throughout. But it wasn't until experiencing the pain of a first relationship. Mm. It wasn't through until experiencing um, life in a way where you have the freedom to be able to drive, to be able to go somewhere, to be able to be somewhat quasi-independent, even though you're still living at home. That's when I fell in love with Nirvana. And the reason why I wanted to do Unplugged was because that became the album that was sort of, I can't tell you how many times, I can't tell you how many times I pulled into that school listening to Unplugged, feeling the emotions that somebody else was going through in this world of discovery, in this mm, world where mm. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I feel like a loser. Mm. Some days I feel like I'm on top of the world. Some mm. days I feel like I have all the friends in the world. Sometimes I feel like I'm alone and everybody hates me. In other and words, these are all you were a teenager. <laughs> exactly. That's my point. In hindsight, I was just a normal f- teen. Smells you know? like teen spirit. Teen they spirit. knew what yes. they were doing. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. So I didn't appreciate it until high school. So I yeah. want to definitely make sure. And that's the sad reality is that by the time I fell in love with this band, mm-hmm. there was no more. It would never be a thing. Mm. And so that's been... That's been the biggest struggle is like if there was any band on this planet that I wish I could see, it would be Nirvana. Wow. And I'm never going to have that opportunity. I did text you and I say, listen to the Bleach album, their first one, which was before their hits. Yes. You know, and and I think you text me like, yes, that's a Nirvana I can get behind. <laughs> like this is That's clearly their best, their one. best I album. Lo- I do like Bleach. <laughs> I listened to Bleach this morning. I, I It fires me up because it is like the anger. It's the angry Nirvana. It's the, yes, it's exactly. the, the youthful, <laughs> like this is way more hard rock punk than say In Utero, which became way more strung out and heroiny and 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 like sleepy is the word I would use for it. And it, so, but I, I do like bleach. So, bleach, and and well, yeah. I, I that's the one that I do go to from time to time. I would so so that is, and that that makes me happy because you found you found a Nirvana that spoke to you. You know yeah. what I mean? Because much like if you I, really, I found Heroin Girl when we did, uh, you know, Everclear. I like the yes. early Everclear <laughs> wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's I mean, when and they and sold that's out the thing, became be- mainstream. Because we didn't have a whole lot of we didn't have a whole lot of time with with Kurt Cobain. We didn't. And so Bleached, you know, Bleach was the angry album. Mm. So that's the angry album. Then you have Nevermind, you know, is uh is sort of their like it's emotional, but it's lighter, you know, kind of thing. It's more accessible. Yeah. It's not pop, exactly. but of their three, it's the easiest to get into. Correct, because it's the most simple, too. Right. Yes. Yeah. And then in utero goes in an interesting direction, but it's not one I particularly care for. Hey, 
Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. Yeah, and so that's, and I absolutely in every way love In Utero. Like I, that album to me is absolutely crazy, but it kind of, in a weird way, these three albums tell the story of Kurt Cobain mentally. A hundred percent. It tells the story of, if you look at everything from a humanistic perspective, it's a pattern of what happens when you don't take care of yourself, when you go down this path and become consumed with what society is doing or what your mental health is pushing on you mm. and and all that. And by the time then you get to Unplugged, you're, I mean, it's just, oh my God, everything in that is just being sung by somebody who is literally at the end. Yes. And it shouldn't have been that way. It's, oh, and man, it's I mean, so you, where did you sleep last night? Jesus don't want me for a sunbeam. Some of the plays on other songs that he, yes. that he did on the unplugged. I mean, it is, I mean, it is almost heartbreaking. It is. And so that is what speaks to so many people. Like, I don't feel like I have a reason to live. Mm. You know, and I've never been to that point in my life, but I can feel what that would be like because we've all been in very dark places in our life. And and he spoke to it. He is so talented as a writer, as a performer, as a singer, as a as a as a guitarist. You really, really feel everything you're just talking about in his voice and in his playing. He, yeah. Kurt was so, it, it, it does not seem contrived. It does not seem like it was like, this is my image. This is like the opposite of a, <laughs> say Marilyn Manson or something. And, and, and he, <laughs> right. It, and, and that unplugged album, as much as I don't like choose to put it on and listen to it, when I do listen to it, it's undeniable how powerful he, it is and how, how mm-hmm. amazing his voice, he's like Bob Dylan or Johnny Cash. He just has that power and, and the emotion comes through. Every single lyric and delivery of the lyrics. I, I, not my cup of tea, but there's no denying how powerful and how quality it is. <laughs> it's amazing. And, no, and, that's and true. An un, unplugged... You know, it was it was all deep cuts and covers. It was basically no hits. It's not like they did tells like uh, smells like Teen Spirit with acoustic guitar. In fact, MTV was pissed, and like there was all this tension as they were like <laughs> getting ready for it. Like Kurt Cobain didn't want to do it. He thought it would be too corporate. He thought they would meddle with it, and they did. And MTV executives are fighting with the band, like play some hits, and they're like, F- you. We're no. gonna do deep. Yeah, co- we're gonna no. do deep tracks, <laughs> and we're gonna do covers. 
And and it was their only Grammy ever, by the way, was was this Unplugged album. Wow, I didn't know that. This was, I mean, not the full anthem of high school, obviously, but like in certain moments, especially when maybe I wasn't feeling the best, this was the anthem. I mean, this was the album that you could listen to, to, you know, as you put it, for me to get my feelings out, for me to just take that moment to just feel like absolute garbage, mm. <laughs> you know, and just feel the pain. You know, and I think that's good. Then- I know that's nothing to do with, um, you know, if you got to do it as a survival technique to, to like get through life without having something bad happen, then that's not that bad. But I think overall, when given the option, it is good to feel your feelings. It is good to experience how you're feeling in the moment, <laughs> process it so you can move on. Yeah. Because if you'd run away from it, deny it, or bury it, it comes out some other way, maybe years Correct. down the road. <laughs> so, like, it's, it's one of the six... And this is so amazing that he was withdrawing from heroin when he was doing this. He refused. Mm-hmm. He he would not. The day before filming, he was like, I'm not doing it. F*** you. I'm not doing it. And then he did show up and he was suffering from heroin withdrawal. Yep. Like, this is unbelievable. Recorded in November eight, uh, on November 18th, 1993. He insisted on the funeral decoration theme. Like he was playing yep. at his own wake. Like you said, you everything about this, you sense the end is near. And you sense mm-hmm. this guy is not long for the world. He's barely holding, holding on. And, and and this is all he's got left. And and it's so powerful. I mean, and it's it to me, it's it's and I I I, I say this cautiously, but it's almost like him. His life, his music, his path, his journey, his writing, his music, everything was like a sacrifice for what what some people in society might have needed. Like it, mm. his music helped me process when I needed help processing, and and I and I say that I I, I I'm trying not to get a, like too high of a horse with it or like say anything like you know like oh he was he sacrificed himself, but like it, it he struggled like he never he he wasn't thinking that that was the case obviously he was recording music and and singing about stuff that made that made him feel something Mm -hmm. and that's something that everybody else not everybody but for the people that needed that it was there for them and it's still it's still there today and it'll live on forever and I will say, you know, when I went back and listened to Nevermind, because I'm like, well, this is one of the greatest albums of all time, right? Dude, I got to tell you, I was very underwhelmed by Nevermind as as a whole. Like, just the, it all sounds the same to me. Like, track after, it's like the Sex Pistols. It's like one song ends and another one starts, and I don't really know. I mean, Smells Like Teen Spirit, awesome song, one of the greatest songs, anthem of the 90s, but... My God, um, the rest of it just kind of, eh. I, I think this is where this is where for me, never mind. Now, Downward Spiral, epic album, but it's the album that made Nine Inch Nails what they are, right? Correct. And so, to me, never mind is what made Nirvana what they are. But really, it's in utero and unplugged and Bleach stuff like that that's where to me the true the true fans live mm-hmm. 
I, I, I do want to say this before I get off, though, you know, because I'm sitting here talking about uh, how much they helped me through different phases of my mental, you know, journey through mental health. Mm-hmm. But I got to tell the story about my dad. Okay. Please. And this, <laughs> the, I'll never forget, I was moving him. He had had to take a job out of state. And so I was helping him move and I, and we're on the road for forever. And, and all of a sudden a song came on by Nirvana. And I, I, I sadly don't remember which one, but I was like, Oh my God, dad, I cranked it up. And I'm like, I'm listening to it. And he's kind of like, you know, with a, fr- a furrowed brow, kind of like nodding along. I'm like, dad, Oh my God. Like I used to listen to these guys all the time when I was depressed and I'm driving this big writer, U-Haul, you know, and he's, he, he listens for about another 15 seconds and he goes, <laughs> are you sure you weren't depressed? Cause you were listening to this music. <laughs> Just, I mean, it's one of those things where you kind of stop and you go like, the only thing I question about about music like this is it's there to speak to the people who need it. Mm-hmm. But sadly, it's also there to influence the people that probably shouldn't listen to it. Mm. You know, and because it's art can exist in the world. And I am, as you know, extremely pro art. You have a voice. He had a voice. He had a reason to exist. And it helped a lot of people, but I'm pretty certain there was also a lot of people that were like affected by it that maybe just needed the happy music, you know, like don't go down that emotional path because Mm -hmm. if you don't have the, the ability to process your emotions appropriately, if you don't have a certain groundedness in understanding of the world, you can become consumed in the darkness of the music. Use it as a tool, music and movies and entertainment. Use it as a tool. Use it as an emotional escape for what you need, but be aware of what it's actually doing to you. I remember how people, how deeply people were affected by his death and how it was like nonstop news on MTV, like 24-7 coverage, like breaking news, shocking people crying like just playing it on the radio constantly. Like oh, yeah. I had already established myself as not a Nirvana fan at the time, but I, <laughs> I still like, you could not live in the world and not be affected and see how amazingly powerful this artist was that to affect so many people. And, and as a matter of fact, yeah. my sister was, was really shaken up by it. Like was really like, you know, holding vigils and, like burning candles and stuff. <laughs> we haven't mentioned David Grohl at all, so there we go. I just mentioned David Grohl. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, we have to. I, I remember having this debate, and one of the things that that I always said is, because I've always been on the stance of, like, had he not killed himself. I will say this, that without Nirvana and without without that, David Grohl doesn't doesn't go on to do what he does as much. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's one of those things that you mean without Kurt's death, he doesn't go on to do what he was going to do. I hate to say it, but I had this debate with somebody who goes in that sad tragedy, Mm -hmm. much more music came out of it. Mm -hmm. And that's an interesting perspective. And that's, but that's, that says something. It's like, it's like when you start realizing how influential one artist ends up being, whether they're producing or helping or whatever, I mean, one artist can end up affecting many and, and because of how big they became overnight, because of, unfortunately, in the tragedy, 
the world got a lot of different music that ended up being really great. And, and it's sad that that's the case, but it is true. I think we just cut to us laughing after you talk about all the death and all the music that was created because of the no. tragedy. And then, <laughs> just cut no, out the roaming No, <laughs> no. Uh, how about we just say something like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have uh, uh, taken one for the team and uh, been probed by you into giving you stories that you never knew existed. And I'm happy happy to do so. And I I want people to know that, like, it's okay to have these feelings. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be, to go through moments and realize that that's a normal thing. Like, even you joked about it. You're like, I'm like, yeah, he was there for me. He was going through. And you're like, you mean being a teenager? And it's that simple. (laughs) And that's life. That's everything. It's that simple. We're human. We're happy. We're sad. We Mm -hmm. eat. We poop. Okay. Like it is fundamental, you know, that you're not going to be happy all the time. And so cherish the moments that you have when you're sad. Cherish the moments you have when you're happy. That's what you have to do to get through life. Ha 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 ha! It's a good thing. Put it in some laughter at the end. Official (laughs) co-host. Bam.